Hey, welcome to this 15th edition of Clarity Chat podcast. I have with me Vinod Shivaramakrishnan, CIO of Indus Towers Limited. In today's session, he is going to talk about finding purpose as a technology manager unlike his peers, handling M&As, building a global delivery team in India, handling global roles and then moving to India in local roles. His deep learnings across domains focus on how IT creates credibility and how IT leaders need to consider themselves as business leaders first. This is the 15th episode of Clarity Chat podcast and here comes an exciting discussion with Vinod Shivaramakrishnan. Welcome Vinod. Did you know that 83% of technology implementations fail to achieve expected business outcomes? Well, managing technology is incredibly complex. IT covers all processes and everything IT does impacts people in some way. The function is only 3 decades old but changing at the fastest pace. Technology industry is highly profitable with intense marketing. Tech companies have the vast majority of the tech talent, not you. Clarity Chat purpose is rooted in helping you solve IT challenges for business success, to help you decode the complexity, to help you leverage partners effectively. to help you partner with business more effectively to help you manage change better to help you attract talent you get this clarity via experiences of cios and business leaders shared informally and candidly over a cup of tea welcome to the clarity chat podcast so please tell us your career story and some key inflection points and learnings that have stayed with you throughout and uh, which have led to your success over to you Thank you thank you Jagdish I think as I look back at these 28 years I think I'm going to shock both you as well as our audience when I say that the first 3 years of my career I spent fighting the idea of whether I should be in IT at all You know as a freshly minted uh, MBA from IIM Bangalore I joined uh, Hindustan Lever as a management trainee and it was just so uh, interesting that uh, as you said uh, it is still a nascent management science but at that point it was even more nascent and i went through a lot of angst personally looking at you know are we technologists are we a function like manufacturing are we the backroom boys you know when when we get our moment in the sun and and frankly i was aware that there was a window between which i had to make up my mind whether this is what i want to do with the rest of my career or should i switch to some other function while the going is good you know sort of like the branch change thing in engineering i thought i had this limited window Now, the lovely thing is that even despite this doubt that I had, one thing that was clear even to a 23-year-old for the first time learning what business is about was how amazing the tools are that we bring to solve business problems. I mean, you know, to an extent, when I was rolling out WeChat's for Hindustan Lever across the country, it was really like electrification. You know, that you you switch on the light and you see the smile on people's faces. To a great extent, I think you know that is what keeps me and I'm sure you and many of our CIOs in the game is the transformation that you can actually achieve through technology and that i think you know even to a raw young business management graduate it was obvious that this is how company 
companies are going to transform this is what is going to run the world and uh, i think you know i recognized it then and i said i want to be part of this thing and uh, therefore you know i think we lost some uh, hot shot investment banker or something but you know that is how it is levers was a great experience in terms of learning how to run the business in fact in my first 15 months i didn't go to the it department at all i went everywhere else in the organization understood how sales works how manufacturing works and so by the time i came back to my department my head was full of a number of things about you know what we should be doing as it and uh, uh, i did that and uh, a chance encounter got me after 3 years in levers when i was actually a contributing systems manager got me to a very interesting question posed by you know the then cio of g india who asked me if i wanted to work you know in those days uh, hul was the best company in india to work for it was on the cover of business today and the same month in the cover of fortune g was the best company to work for in the world so he asked me do you want to go from the best company to work for in india to the best company in the world and of course uh, you know at 26 i couldn't resist that promise so i moved to g and i think the fundamental promise of g was it was a company that understood it and it was a company that understood growth of leaders and in in full measure g over the next 14 years exposed me to some of the best leaders in the world some of the best it thinking in the world and across india where i was the corporate cio back in 2000 2001 germany and the netherlands i got to see a lot of businesses i think i covered quite a few of my domains in that uh, relatively long period jitesh and i have to say that g was the maturing of uh, my own career both as a manager as well as a technology professional and i think the idea of how do you manage at that kl what do you do when you get to that kl lessons that are of use today in uh, 2010 after over 14 years with g i decided to relocate back to india from the netherlands for personal reasons and i came back in a very interesting role with uh, an indian group which was the jubilant group of companies where i came in as group cio back in 2010 and it brought a very interesting refreshing and different perspective to it you know india was happening when we came back in terms of suddenly you had sap's top 3 customers coming from india and indian group catching up on the digitization journey with a vengeance after a couple of years at jubilant i moved to walmart india to be the country market cio for uh, the india market very interesting structure with both a retail and a wholesale business and uh, i have to say retail was among the most fast paced and you know difficult in that sense businesses that i worked with enjoyed rolling out chores and uh, i think it was it was really challenging as well but at a point we had a divestiture of the retail business back to bharti retail and uh, the most challenging project of my life for sure and post that i incidentally had a chance during this uh, to to get a taste of pnl leadership with uh, e-commerce pnl at very much best price stores being given to me and uh, it was really uh, amazing you know after years and we'll i'm sure we'll talk more about that but after years sitting in the management committee to have a different hat was a very interesting thing to have and uh, i moved on after the divestiture to have a short stint at usha international the consumer products company in an e-commerce and cio joint role and now i am nearly 5 years into indus which i think is the culmination of many of these journeys that i've been on it's been a fascinating ride and i've enjoyed every day of no that's 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 a great journey uh, you know thanks for sharing with us you know some of it what you said you know the first 3 years grappling with the you know whether should i be in it or not so i remember you were telling me that you know being a management training from i am bangalore you would get offers like every other day from some of the other business leaders come and join me what are you doing in night you know so my own experience i actually did something else uh, when i joined uh, tata motors as a 
graduate engineer trainee in 94 around 95 you know to prepare for y2k and all the digitization and that was happening at that time in terms of you know the erps coming in and all that there was a we had a big batch of get joining about 125 plus and all of us got an opportunity to get into what was called as a management services division mst but we had to appear for an aptitude test and you know all that uh, and regardless of whichever branch we are probably out of the batch i was one of the very very few people who did not sit for that test <laughs> because <laughs> Because, you know, one was, of course, my own passion for mechanical engineering. I really wanted to, uh, what they say, pana chalana tha mujhe. You know, I wanted to, uh, you know, run the spanners because that's what we had learned. Uh, but of course, you know, the other one was the lack of appreciation for, uh, you know, what, what the whole IT is like. Because everyone used to think at that time that it's all about coding, right? Right. Yeah. Now, the other thing, you know, that I kind of uh, noticed is that you moved around the business for 18 months. And I think you get a you got a very good grounding of all the business processes and operations. And I th I'm sure that would have held you in good stead as as you as you kept working. in IT. You always had this, uh, you know, view that whatever we are doing in IT somewhere or the other, it has to impact the business. Am I right? Absolutely, Jagdish. I call it the plumber's view of the business because, you know, I mean, it's not the most glamorous, though with the kind of money that plumbers make, I think, you know, it's not a bad thing either. But, you know, the idea of what are the connections between the various parts of the business and how do you know, you know, what is going on? Where is the dust accumulating? Where is the waste accumulating? What do you need to have a smooth flow of water through the enterprise? I mean, in, in, to, to steal from your domain, it's like that guy that goes under the pit of the truck or car looking up at it, you see everything. And I think the perspective really is is unique, uh, Jagdish, to our profession, that it's very few people in an enterprise that actually get that breadth of view, uh, which says, where are the real problems? Where are the real opportunities? And I think that is really one of the biggest advantages of knowing all the places and having been to all the functions is understanding what is going. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So before, before we go forward to the next questions, so we know, let us acknowledge the audience so we have Nitin joining from Bangalore he's a regular here hi Nitin Seshu uh, there's a question Seshu has around alignment of heterogeneous systems. maybe you know the challenges lessons learned in this in his experience there has been a lot of turbulence in telecom business was there any impact in IT yeah so I, I had that question in my mind but let me <laughs> let jump into it right away so uh, I'd I love the question and thank you, Seshu, for the same. I think, you know, alignment of heterogeneous systems is obviously one of the biggest challenges. And I'll talk at length a little bit on that. But let me address your second question first. You know, turbulence, it's, it's very interesting that you use the word turbulence. Because, you know, let me tell you that the, the world of IT is about turbulence, about change. You know, sometimes positive, sometimes negative, but always the answer comes back to IT. You know, the process of managing change for an organization. I've been in businesses that had a gross margin of 25% and I've been in businesses that had a gross margin of 4%, you know, depending on the industry. And we behave differently. So you want to lose weight, IT. You want to scale up, IT. Any 
fraction in between IT. And the impact is not just from what we spend, it is from the way that we orient our systems. I have a favorite saying which says that, you know, the good news about uh, being in the business of laying railway tracks is where you put the tracks, that's where the train goes. Otherwise, it gets derailed, if you understand what I mean. So there is this awesome power about actually aligning to the changes or anticipating the changes and doing the right things for your business. In either case, I can promise you whether you want to grow or you want to shrink or you want to handle turbulence, you have to move faster. You have to be more efficient about, you know, getting the people that are addressing the problems to the problems. And that is all I, so I hope I gave a flavor there. In terms of the heterogeneous systems, I think, you know, the key thing that you need to look at is that, you know, it's not about the technologies. It's not about the tools. It's about the underlying processes. It's about the way in which work gets done. And it's always a great opportunity to reimagine your system, reimagine your world, because that's what the merger gives you a chance to do. When you have two companies that are in related or similar industries doing the same thing for the same customer in different ways, you can bet that the end result has to be the best of both. Hope I've answered your question, Shit. I think, you know, the things you really have to do are you have to have a very good understanding of what are you target. You know, you can achieve a merger. Uh, there are two or three aspects of mergers that are important of all. One is culture, which is how do you drive a uniform way across the company of thinking about things and doing. The second is really about people. How do you assign roles to people and make sure that everybody is productive and contributing to the new company? From an IT point of view, what you have to do is just enable A and B above. So enable people to have a common culture, have the same forums available to all people, have the intranet available to everyone, have uh, the tools of the trade accessible to everybody have the systems aligned to the common processes as quickly as possible and make sure that even if you are giving people an 80% product, that what you are giving them works for everybody in the organization. To my mind, that is really the most critical. The other part is, of course, people making sure that you are finding the right home for the right skill set and somehow you have to make this 2 plus 2 add up to a 5 or a 6 or, you know, if you are very good, even a 10 by making sure that you are really using the additional resource you've just received as a force multiplier. Especially if you talk about a function like IT, where you are bringing in individuals with talent and understanding of your industry, this can be a huge multiplier. Oh, okay, this, this I think is going to be a little bit of a humorous one. And for some of you who know me very well, I think uh, you will uh, expect a joke here. So I came back as I was telling Jagdish in 2010, after a stint of nearly 10 years overseas. And you know, as a professional MBA and as a professional systems manager, I came with a 90 day plan and 100 180 day plan and so on and uh, i think i uh, achieved quite a few things of my 90 day plan but after 90 days you know i asked my stakeholders who were the business group ceos i asked them how am i doing and you know the feedback was generally good but one statement that they made and it's very appropriate jagdish to the clarity chat format you know that i had forgotten that in the Indian way of doing business, you know, this this getting together, socializing, uh, especially at a leadership level, aligning my leadership colleagues with my thought process, absorbing their inputs against that to be able to modify my strategy to be more effective. This is something I forgot. And that was my reconnection with 
you know, uh, management in India. And I have to tell you that I loved it. I love their feedback. And in the next maybe three months after that, I consumed, uh, you know, buckets of tea with my stakeholders. And as you can see, I'm still doing that. Thank you so much. So I think the question here is on, you know, I ran in 2000-2001, I ran a very successful entry uh, leadership program in IT for GE in India. You know, the idea was that we will get bright young people and we will take them through a number of stints across G businesses, equip them to become the CIOs of the future for G. And I had the privilege in 2000, 2001 to bring in about 40 different people of whom I'm very happy to say that there are at least five, if not more, who have done much better as CIOs than I could hope to. You know, and I'm very proud of that fact that these guys actually managed to get, you know, ahead of me. But you know, to come back to the reason, why do you build talent? You build talent because especially in IT, these guys are our the forerunners of our profession. These guys are the ambassadors of our profession. And the question I would like to ask you guys is, who do you want representing you? When when you are a CIO and when you have a, a bunch of direct reports, who do you want who can go there and be the face of your department who can articulate on your behalf. You build talent for that because you need people with the same skills. You need people with the rare skill of IT management and you need these people to be reflections of what is current in IT management. That's why you build talent. That's why you take people who you know, I have the raw materials and you shape them through these lessons and these stints. One of the criteria I had for building talent was to drop them in all sorts of difficult positions and have them survive and understand the dynamics of the situations in non-fatal positions, that is places that they didn't, you know, get uh, sacked from and uh, develop their skills that way so that they could come back later and be our ambassadors, our brand ambassadors for India. And I'm happy to tell you that these guys who did better than me are global CIOs. Uh, one of them is, uh, in fact, uh, today uh, in the absolute upper reaches of IT management at Carrier. The next question on 5G, let's pick up the questions on 5G from Rahul. Hey, Rahul, yeah. thanks for joining us. So how intensive will be the infrastructure so update? I think we saw this question earlier, uh, Jagdish, and I uh, oh, uh, looked yeah. at it. So I think uh, we'll... For a minute, I think we should put the 5Gs on hold because I was I had also explained to them that a lot of uh, this is about operational technology, uh, you know, in our uh, domain. And uh, of course, this also points to the convergence of uh, operational and, uh, you know, information technology. So, you know, the OTIT debate is dying down as a result of things like that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So, uh, we know the. Did you discuss about uh, yes. you know the? We, we the went through the program. We went through the program. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, exactly. I about the talent part of it. Yeah. So you know, like ta talking about Indus and you know what you're doing there, how you're managing this huge physical operation of 180,000 towers. You know, for us to be able to like be digitally connected seamlessly as we move the length and breadth of India, uh, you know, your 180,000 towers uh, enable. It. But that's also a massive, massive physical operations. So give us some insights into like, you know, what is it like managing IT for a, <laughs> a humongous, humongous operation? So I'll, I'll spend a minute actually talking about the philosophy with which we, we looked at IT in this organization, you know, over the last five years. We actually have a, a, a logo for the IT team and, uh, and a motto for it. And, you know, the acronym of that is really what we call WIRED, W-I-R-E-D. 
and you know at one level it's very logical our business is about wires and wireless and running wires from point a to point b and you know that's what it does right yeah yeah but the, but the expansion of that in our uh, view is where it rocks everyday mm-hmm. you know we said it's not about providing people new laptop it's not about you know getting people the toys or the gadgets associated with the gift it's about yeah. giving people what they need not what they want so when you look at what we have to do we have to ruthlessly prioritize what we do because the digitization opportunities in my industry abound you know and you referred to it in an introduction we pay thousands of landlord rentals we pay Uh, really lacks of electricity bills work with 70 discoms and these are complex manual processes that are ripe for digitization and my team and i look at this you know as our mission to convert these physical interactions to as digital as possible to support them for instance we have a module that actually does an through an algorithm it calculates what my electricity bill should be in a tower because you know it's uh, it's not unusual to get a bill from a discom that looks unusually high you must experience it at home sometimes can you imagine doing it on a scale of 180000 of course we have to run an algorithm and see whether these bills are reasonable so these factories and digitizing these factories is i think the way that we look at our mission and i think you know uh, one of the difficulties of uh, trying to do digital transformation in a business that is very physical intensive and also which is a 24 by 7 operation is that you know in when i was in walmart i used to joke that it's like changing the tires while the car is moving in the case of indus it's much more like changing the engine when the car is moving which i'm sure you will you know i'm using all these motor analogies as a tribute to you jagdish so you know but uh, the idea really is that uh, the difficulty is in a in a transactional business that involves hundreds of thousands of transactions how do you slip your new changes in the middle and the paradox is that everybody wants these changes people are desperate for the benefit you can bring them but yet nobody has the time to stop the bus and i love you to do your so you know you have to evolve a way of actually being able to slide these changes in while people are working continuously train and retrain both your users as well as your team in slipping these and and the way we look at digital transformation is aiming some of the new technologies at solving the existing problem so for instance when you look at our document management challenge so when we are working with landlords there are leases there are paperwork the question is how do you digitize these documents how do you find them when you need them you know and that is one family of projects that i run or we take a lot of images at the field at the sites of equipment how do you recognize them how do you classify them how do you uh, flag to the supervisors that this may not be the photograph of a diesel generator but of something else these are some of the interesting technical challenges and my team actually spends a lot of time so you know if you look beyond the run part of the business which is very substantial the build part of the business is equally substantial and in fact the build part keeps uh, churning and adds to the load of the run but i think that is how it should be keeps us all busy but the good news is as a, we are recognized as an integral part of the progress of the organization and uh, my stakeholders are more than willing for us to have a punt at you know something if it improves the life of our stakeholders and partners and and so thankfully our portfolio remains 
uh, full to bursting at all time yeah. now i think that brings me to a logical question which uh, you know uh, which has also been asked here i'm just bringing it here i somehow i cannot see the name of the user but and i think it's very much relevant in your case uh, you know because you i mean i'm sure you know behind all of this whether it's the landlords or the electricity bills or you know your workforce which is stationed at all these 180000 towers whenever you're making these technology or even you know those factories that you talked about you know which are processing the massive amount of paper and stuff like that as you keep making changes i'm sure you know there are lots of voices out there you know which are crying out that and uh, you know you are basically disrupting the the human power equations all the time and that that's that's that brings us to the question of change management and looks like you have some model there which is like which mm-hmm. is working at scale uh, to make that change management happen give us some secrets there so uh, happy to in fact uh, you know uh, you worked in ge as well and i learned a lot of my change management from ge's change acceleration process and uh, if you remember the formula it was really that uh, the change is actually uh, represented as uh, the technology into the acceptance so you know the if the acceptance is zero then the impact of your change is zero and i've never forgotten that uh, you know though it has been a while since i was in ge i think clearly we work very strongly on that i think one of the things that i've learned with changes is that so people need change but people need to see beyond the short term disruption to the longer term equilibrium of it you know because one of the things i think we all understand as technologists is that change will come whether you want it to come or not the question really is how do you explain the change how do you set the change in the context of what it brings you know uh, to a great extent we try to portray change as a win lose but arguably change is a win win the problem is getting people to see it that way you know is it complicating my life yes it may but for what higher end you know to what higher end and and especially you know when you work in industries where you are doing a lot of monitoring for field or ground level personnel the immediate reaction is uh, bhai this is intrusive this is getting into uh, you know my area but uh, when you look at a pandemic or when you look at a scenario of an accident and the guy has had an accident somewhere and you have the ability to reach him now because you've been monitoring or tracking him suddenly you know the paradigm shifts to one of are you there you know uh, is is what you are doing intrusive or helpful when i insist that somebody who climbs one of the towers needs to have a permission to work uh, it may be restrictive in a short term sense for that person but eventually it is actually saving lives and i like to believe that you know in in a matter of perspective people understand this so it is a question of how do you uh, to articulate your argument in a way that clearly convinces people and in some cases you know it is also i think fair of us as senior leaders to indicate that you should bite the bullet and get on with it because you know understand how to utilize this technology to your advantage the early adopters always have this advantage jagdish of being able to shape the end solution you know if you are a resistor and you sit on the fringes and then you climb on board later you've had no say in shaping it whereas yeah. the guy who didn't like it any more than you but got involved anyway has had the chance to mold it a little bit and at least you know alleviate 
the challenges that he or she is facing with it. So my yeah. advice to users is usually get into it and then we'll talk. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you know, in terms of this model, uh, uh, how do how do you combine the top down versus ground up? So, you know, the ground up is like you know what is in right. it for that question. Right. But top down is like you know using a little bit of the mandate of uh, you know the right. leadership. How right. do you balance? Hey, I am your podcast host Jagdish Belwal. I had a rich career as CIO at Tata Motors and GE. Now, as an advisor, I help organizations transform with technology. Technology is necessary for digital transformation, but not sufficient. So I help organizations with the rest of it: leadership, strategy, culture, change management, etc. You can connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter. For now, keep listening and don't forget to subscribe the podcast and do connect with me on LinkedIn. So I think you know the idea is really that clearly you know what is a good idea at scale is a top down. So you know one of the ways we look at it is really the ability to harness an idea from the ground. So from the millions of data points comes the gem of an idea which says. ऐसे करेंगे तो एट स्केल दिस माइट गिव अस अ बेनिफिट दैट टू डाइजेस्ट एट द टॉप यू इवैल्यूएट यू रूथलेसली प्रायोरिटाइज यू यू डू द मॉडलिंग यू एग्जामिन द द वैलिडिटी ऑफ दैट कांसेप्ट एंड देन यू पुश इट डाउन बिकॉज़ यू नो सो सो इन अ सेंस इट्स एक्चुअली कम फ्रॉम डाउन बट द शेप दैट इट टेक्स द वे दैट यू डू इट द वे दैट यू आर्किटेक्ट इट टू प्रिवेंट द केज टू प्रिवेंट accidental or intentional damage to the concept of the idea you standardize it you invite a lot more views bring expertise to bear on it and then push it back so unfortunately it might not look like the same thing by the time it goes on its way down but you know the truth is it is actually the same idea and by the way i am a big believer that you cannot get ideas from the corporate office the ideas always come from the field have you shaped them have you design them how you manage them comes from the top but believe you me the ideas always come from the ground okay uh, so follow up question on that so how do you get these ideas i mean so uh, we actually how, have and and it's very okay. interesting that you should ask that uh, yesterday so i'll tell you this that we have a tool which we call the idea incubator where you know everybody in the company that has an email id has access to it and in their day to day life we encourage them to give us ideas of you know improvement or areas of dissatisfaction or problems or opportunities that they see and there is a rigorous process with each of these ideas uh, especially when it pertains to uh, digitization comes straight to me uh, but equally in other functions as well when these ideas come and they require my input they come to me you know so can we do a system like this it comes to me and i'll tell you this that uh, we hold it very sacred to process these quickly even when we say no we say no in a very gentle way we don't let people down harsh because some of these ideas obviously are not practical or practicable at scale or not achievable with the technology that we have uh, but i'll tell you this that some of our biggest successes have come from you know a gem of an idea that came from some guy who didn't even probably understand the scale or scope of what he's suggesting but were so good that by the time we finished with them these were you know lauded and recognized initiatives for the company across 
I can tell you, I read everyone very keenly, as if I am reading it for the first time, as if I joined the business today, because that is the only way to look at these things, because they are so powerful, and you add your own context and experience to those ideas, they become even more powerful. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, uh, very, very well said, uh, uh, Vinod. So, Vinod, you know what really caught my eye was uh, when you said IT has a brand, and you know we have a logo and all that. I think a lot of times, you know, IT people they fail to connect the larger picture, okay, and it becomes like you know a day-to-day run maintenance kind of job. So I understand that you know you are uh, trying to also bring up the whole level of motivation and you know all of that. So what all do you do to build an IT brand to keep your team motivated and like you know run that whole internal uh, branding and communication to wrap them up? So one one of the most important things that this is you know when we get praise at a company forum or something, we try to get that praise right down to the person who did the you know. So typically, how does my work matter in the larger scheme of things? Is I think one of the biggest questions that forget IT. I think even in manufacturing, you must have had the same problem in the shop floor where somebody wonders, "Am I ye panna chala raha hoon? What is my contribution to the strategic aspect of the company?" And I always tell my guys that the only way in which you can count is what is that thing that you've been you've done? How is it being used in the field? How has it changed the life of the person in the field that you aimed it at? So we encourage our people to actually contact the field to directly figure out what the impact of that is. And I try very hard, especially at my direct reports level, to communicate to them. So every time I come out of a staff meeting or a leadership meeting, you know the salient points of that. Actually, this is a product that is suddenly catching fire. in the relevance of 5g we need to figure out every change request that pertains to this project let's bring it out of the duster let's start working so that you know by the time the official machinery works and the guy who is in charge of the product comes back and tells me ki mujhe ye chahiye invariably my guys are already two thirds or three fourths of the way there and we can surprise them and delight with a very short turnaround for the ask because you know to great extent they might not have anticipated and that's all part of the where it rocks every day umbrella but i think a lot of It is about understanding where the organization is going and proactively meeting them halfway there. I especially love it if we can get a new technology in as well, but you know it's optional. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think you know that's a very very important point for our audience that you know typically we find that you know IT behaves as an order taker, right? You know we only start active, we only come into action when you know somebody says, okay, you know, hey, here is the budget and here is the requirement, right? but i think it needs to proactively look at what are what are things which are changing in the in the industry landscape in in our own business what kind of strategic discussions and plans are being made and then connect and create those options early right i mean i i remember you know the you know there was a time when this when nano was about to get launched and you know the whole buzz was there for almost 2 3 years and i was working in crm at that time i was heading the crm and uh, you know we kind of kept looking at what kind of volumes are going to come what kind of Of, you know and we were connected right so we knew all the stuff that was about to hit us in terms of either volumes or in terms of compliances or you know in terms of a much bigger volume of dealerships and we were undertaking all kinds of projects within you know my own budget right to to basically ready it and we were putting it there like you know we are readying the crm for like you know this whole big volume push and uh, well finally uh, you know when the whole project kind of got kicked off the it project got kicked off things were sort of ready and people came and asked me that you know okay so what your budget for uh, nano i'm like i don't need anything <laughs> <laughs> 
you know i love those moments i love those moments <laughs> you know it was it was like you know it was so visible and you know nobody actually said no to me nobody said that you know let that project come and then only we'll give you the budget they're like right okay reading your system for you know a much bigger scale please go ahead and do that but yeah so coming back you know to some of the questions here thanks ravish for your comments jagdish my old colleague i know we used to have a joke when we were in a meeting that you know we are eco in so i would say hi jagdish and he'll say hi jagdish and like oh i heard an eco <laughs> <laughs> so part of our meeting fun yeah you know when we were doing this uh, power monitoring iot project it was like in an experiment stage we used to give an example that you know how iot works at scale you know in terms of right. getting down right and with that example thanks uh, jagdish for bringing that up you know jagdish i'll just say this that when i yeah. joined in fact i i had a discussion we were talking you know at a board room discussion about you know whether we can help as weather monitor or pollution monitoring and i recall actually speaking to the guy that ran weather.com and asking him whether they would be interested so you know i have the same kind of moments that you guys had once in a while from an inspiration point of view i'm so happy yeah. to hear that we could serve as some kind of inspiration to you guys back then and really happy in fact let me just say on that note that one of the sites i visited in my first gujarat circle visit was the sanan plant our our sites around uh, sanan so uh, fond memories of those no, absolutely in fact you know i have be i have this belief that a lot of these inspirations and ideas can come if just we start looking outside of our own industries absolutely especially be somebody working at a different scale like for example when i was trying to do this uh, when we were looking at sms technology we didn't at all look at manufacturing we looked at banks because exactly. we could that you know like banks are like serving billions of messages every and like you know, let's benchmark with them anyway so let's let's move forward uh, uh, we know one of the important questions that we that i asked my uh, guests is about uh, is about uh, this whole asymmetry of talent i don't know if you answered that but if uh, not no, no. not not really in fact and i i actually you know i was inspired by the elephant how do you run the how do you make the elephant dance kind of a thing and <laughs> and i am going to use the analogy of the mahout and the elephant mm-hmm. you know the mahout is a tiny little fellow and he has a tiny little that ankush thing that he uses and you are actually shaping the elephant so you know the 955 asymmetry is a problem but it is as much of a problem as you allow it to be I think you know the idea is really that you have to be that uh, that uh, god you have to be that mahat who is actually doing the job of controlling that elephant in a in a purposeful way you know and taking it from point A to point B if you let the okay. elephant control you or if you drive the project on the basis of the skill set that the vendor is bringing then i think you know you are in trouble one very good trend that is happening i think jagdish is the is the rise of low code and zero code and citizen development i think yeah. these are things where you know there is a substantial level of the analysis there's a substantial level of the discussion that you can take out and then what you have the partner doing or the supplier doing is the scaling you know yeah. too of too often we in it have been very happy to delegate certain key responsibilities to partners that they are no more suited for than you are for instance when you talk about requirement gathering and that whole to and fro that happens with the business ki aisa kyun hona chahiye aur aisa kyun nahi hona chahiye giving it to the partner is the stupidest thing you can do because you are bringing in a weaker partner into the discussion somebody who doesn't live 
this world somebody who doesn't feel the consequences of not understanding these and you are putting him in front of the guy who is the most important person who is deciding what the requirement is and and do you really want to do that i think you know again it's a question of how do you marshal your scarce resources and put your talent in front of the customer so to speak understand the requirement assimilate it in a good way and then hand over the goat to the mahot and get the elephant on the road uh, i wow. think the the problem too often is that we let the elephant engage with that customer and and that's not a good idea because elephant skill set doesn't engage or doesn't extend to that if we think of ourselves as you know premium consultants then i think we have a much better idea of what is the value of you know scarce it resource in a company I mean, if you don't understand the domain you are in, if you don't understand the problems your users are facing, then you should be replaced by a part, presumably. No, no, absolutely. And I think, especially given that you know, in today's environment where you know we're going in the agile mode, where you know right. we continue, we continuously keep in touch with the with with the customer, which is our, our business function, and you know we involve them. I think we need to match in terms of our own, like you know, bandwidth to engage with them. Yeah. Or, or Now, exceed. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Or exceed. Yeah. So uh, we know we are like uh, coming to sort of the last five minutes. Uh, we might extend it for another five or seven minutes, you know, just to get past that interesting rapid fire round. But here's a very good question that has come from Mohit. Uh, Mohit is a regular here on Clarity Chat, so he's asking about you know some of the experiences you shared, some of the experiences when you came back from Netherlands. Right. What are your views in terms of key differences between India and developed market in terms of technology adoptions in the organization? the stakeholder relationships and the partner ecosystem so i know this is i mohit i know from a number of years now and we've interacted a number of times so great question mohit what you have asked is three questions in one which is the same way you used to negotiate with 10 years back but uh, i will i will take them anyway i think in terms of technology adoption we are in no way different from others if anything we are significantly more innovative naturally with our concepts of jugad and so on our ability to put technology to work is second to none you know the the stakeholder relationships however are a lot more complex as i alluded to earlier in this chat chai pine jana padta hai so you cannot rely on the native functional discussion so for instance in in europe or in the us the, the functional differences are very stark you deal with them head on you talk to the head of manufacturing you're talking very very pointedly about certain things that impact that person on the ground whereas here it is somewhat more peripheral how you manage it and how you lift that raft through the water is a is a more involved process uh, i'll certainly talk about the partner ecosystem and i will say this that the maturity in terms of the discussions the ability for instance i'll i'll, I'll hint on this the ability to walk away from an unsustainable deal doesn't exist in india i'm sorry but there it is partners will negotiate each other down will go down to unsustainable levels to get a deal knowing that the minute that contract is signed it is dead in the water because paisa nahi bana and then the whole process will rely on post contractual you know halfway across the river if you don't give me this much more we won't reach the other bank kind of discussions and and my challenge always to partners has been look have the gumption to walk away from an unsustainability and if you get pushed into an unsustainable into a, that deal you have only yourself to blame because you have taken up something that you knew in your heart of hearts and mohit particularly in your side of the ecosystem which is the sales side 
of the ecosystem this is a drug that you know you have to get off which is the idea of closing the deal you know there are enough companies there are enough cios that understand what is a sustainable price point in a deal and that will actually make sure that if you go below that they will not give you the contract because they know as well as you do that ye doobne wala and that maturity in the partner ecosystem in germany in the netherlands i have such respect for partners who got up from the table in the middle of negotiation and said guys i'm sure somebody else can do it below this but i can't do a good job below this thank you very much i'm out of it. and i can tell you this that as a guy from india learning the ropes there i have called back many of those people and said look on reflection you are right you do it at this price no um uh, actually we know the very very pertinent point uh, in fact when we were doing our you know crm the first time around we had to actually motivate the partners or you know like uh, tell them that guys like you know we are serious because people thought that you know we are that we will go with our erp vendor and we are that shop and all of that right so right. and we were coming from business and we and we had to really convince the vendors to come talk to us and don't take it as if like you know we are going to go with one guy itself that was number right. one and uh, number two is you know it was actually a shock for me also there was something you know in our uk acquisition we were talking about some big program and one of the vendors actually refused to bid i mean they refused to come and uh, you know sort of even participate in the rfp process and and they said that and when we dug into why they said you know listen uh, we have this whole evaluation process that's what's our chances of winning this what are the biases that exist you know uh, within your organizations and they said that you know with this large group and you know your in house organization all we don't think you know it will be fair you will just use us to beat the price down so you know i mean that was a learning for me because we can't take partners for granted and there's a certain credibility that we need to create for ourselves which will motivate a great a good or great partner in a particular domain to come and work for us and you know not because they also understand when you're trying to use a partner to beat uh, others down absolutely jitesh and i think the idea that beyond that if you're a startup or a small company or a big partner and you want to work with somebody you should absolutely have your criteria which say that i will not work uh, you know where i get taken advantage of systematically in the partnership i think you know the the view is really uh, in my view is that look these are the guys who deliver for you so the question is what do you do which keeps them in the game if they lose yeah. money one off perhaps that's okay if they lose money sustainably the only thing you're doing is putting them out of business absolutely absolutely so we are uh, you know just about time we know so rapid fire maybe maximum one to two sentences responses sure. so sure. we know there's a so let's start the rapid fire round rapid fire number 1 you worked as a pnl leader for e-commerce while you also played multiple roles of cio what is the biggest difference between your cio role versus your pnl leader role so the biggest difference is that the ceo didn't listen to my excuses in the business uh, side role you would ask number law and on the other side i would be able to give some spiel that would buy me 15 minutes of relief that's the biggest difference okay no that's a that's a great one okay rapid fire number 2 what are those counter intuitive things that you do which you don't see other cios doing so i talk a lot to non it people at lower levels in the organization so when i walk through the office i stop to talk to people 
at uh, you know fairly junior levels in other functions i try to perceive what it is that they think of the guys that they're dealing with in my team unka kya chal raha hai what is it that they have a view about what we are doing or what problems they are facing in general in their work and i think you know that is highly counterintuitive because normally you don't expect to get value but i get a lot of value from that because i understand the pulse of how some of the things we deliver are being you know perceived and felt by the lowest uh, rung of the organization oh uh, no absolutely absolutely brilliant you know talking to non it people uh, way down in the organization okay rapid fire number 3 what's the biggest support cio should ask a ceo for I think the only one and I've been very fortunate to have it multiple times it's not budget by the way it is trust uh, I think you know you want your CEO to trust that your option because as you pointed out the marketing machine of partners is very big so you know your CEO is being bombarded with messages that say cloud is good docker is good kubernetes is good blockchain is good your ceo needs to trust you to understand what is right for your organization and and back you that this is the right thing to do or this is the right time to do that's only thing you need everything else i think we can sort absolutely i, I would just want to add to that that i think trust also comes from uh, educating and informing them which is right. like you know, the non marketing part of it that only you can do absolutely okay so second last rapid fire question What's the biggest blocker amongst the CXOs that CIOs have to manage? So I think the idea is really that the perception that you are a tech guy. That is, you know, that you don't have a right to ask a business question. So when you are sitting in a meeting and you say, "Ye kya hai?" Somebody will say, "Arey, yar, tum to IT wale ho, tumko kya pata?" Or tumka tumko kya lena dena, which is, I think, a slightly more uh, polite version of it. And the quick answer is. chief i as a management professional i understand what this whole thing is about to agar aap mujhe nahi samjha sakte ho to aap jaake apne shop floor ko kya samjhaoge ki wo matlab what is this change about and i think you know often times i've seen that cios back away from this conversation and yeah. and my view is really that you have to stick with it to say okay i don't know anything convince me because you are taking um, this initiative down to the ground how are you going to convince them if you can't convince me No, no, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I, I actually posted a video about that as well. I mean, just I'm like tempted to narrate my experience. I was sitting with this, uh, you know, this leader who had developed over a period of years, he had developed a warranty system, and we were trying to replace it with the, you know, the what do you call uh, the the ERP standard global warranty kind of uh, framework. And there were many changes which were actually for good, and uh, so the project was not going anywhere because we were like, you know. past versus future and i myself had a background in service i worked 7 years in service and i know all the warranty process and everything and sitting across the table i said uh, you know okay so can you explain why do you want to run the business process like this he said jagdish this is a business requirement okay and he said this in front of the entire team and people so i actually got up from my chair i went and sat next to him and i said ashok i'm part of your team now let's now let's talk and that was like really symbolic and that actually uh, gave a message to everybody including my own team that you know when time comes i will be taking the business side uh, because end of the day it's for the business process yeah right that's a that's a that's a great answer uh, you know really insightful 
and i think final uh, rapid fire question what should a business leader okay let me put the context to it so today all business leaders all cxos they want to become digital business leaders because digital is like finding that mainstream which it you know which it always aspired for so what should a business leader do to become digital business leaders now in my view a business leader should first imagine a future independent of technology say mera ye hoga not get into you know aise hoga ya is cheez ke sath hoga and typically i if I, i tend i tend to see that sometimes a business leader will come to me and say mujhe lagta we should blockchain this and i'm like you know no 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 what is your vision of that future what is your you know what are you seeing happening there you are seeing acha these four partners and these four people in the supply chain are talking to each other on a daily basis or not talking to each other on a daily basis let's start from there and let's leave what we should do here you know i think too many people who get into digital from business are enamored of the terms you know i'm yeah. happy to i'm happy to share with you that i don't have any idea what a container is or what docker is and what kubernetes is not because of lack of attempts from partners to make me understand because i don't see how it makes me any better at what i do but i certainly believe that as a digital leader i need to be able to envision the future and then i need to be able to work intelligently with my cio or my technology partners to understand how how will we get to that future what are the building blocks of that future what are the capabilities i need to get to that future and that makes me a digital leader when i think that my customers will interact with me across six platforms and take up the conversation here and there then i am a digital leader when i think acha ye content management system lagate hain then i am not a digital leader anymore i just joined it <laughs> no absolutely and you know i call it the difference between a between a interior designer's view of the house versus an versus the architect's view of the house you know which exactly. is that not just you know how well it looks but it also is about how strong are your pillars and how strong is your flooring you know how sort of leak proof is your plumbing and all of that exactly exactly yeah. okay so before we close uh, you know your opportunity to ask me a question i have asked you so many no i've been itching for this so the last one hour so i'm so happy that you gave me that chance so jagdish i was fascinated to understand that you came to it from outside you know after a successful functional career when you came what were the one or two things that you didn't like about the way that it either the function or the people used to think you know the mindset that they had and what did you do to address it? okay no that's a that's a great question uh, we know and yeah i i call myself an accidental cio because uh, you know i i always wanted to be in business and i came here then fell in love with it so few things you know one one was you know this whole uh, passing on accountability to the partners so you know there's one single principle on which i built my entire it organization is just by con- convincing my bosses and my management that the whole equation of outsourcing versus insourcing should be handled with the single question of accountability that we have to keep the accountability inside i shouldn't come to you when something breaks blaming it on a certain partner right so i saw that uh, lack of like you know uh, that taking accountability of it okay and 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 the blames going around and and i think that's the first thing i tried to fix the second thing was that you know i always believed that it is all about processes because you know uh, the reason we engage with every single department in the organization is because every single department runs some process where they need some it help to improve or you know uh, uh, or make that process more efficient but you know this is typical chirag tale andhera 
that IT's own processes are not seamless and they are certain, they are broken to a certain extent and all. And uh, that's the other thing that I tried to do was to, to build a process framework grounds up for IT itself, which was a mixture across, you know, project management, IT service management, security and all of that. This is something I haven't talked about yet, but, uh, you know, since you brought out that question. So we, uh, I and my team, we actually identified 93 IT processes, you know, using which if you focus on each one of them, and of course, you know, you have to nuance it based on your context. uh, I think you can run a great IT organization. The third thing was pride in our own work. See the whole world and without exception, the whole world is about, you know, they, do so much and they show it as this much including you know our own marketing and product departments right (laughs) forget the defects in the vehicle you know the vehicle will be shown as a big lifestyle vehicle that you know the customer is like going all gaga after and and as it you know we transform processes we automate these but then you know the kind of pride we hold for what work we do is something that really disturbed me. So one of the things that I did was to actually start an annual IT function, which was like to, you know, it was like really doing, uh, you know, uh, any annual function that let's say, uh, uh, you know, a business function does where they really showcase what they are doing, whether it's like the supplier department or the sales or service and all. And we actually did something like this for the entire IT department. And we actually went to all of our business leaders and asked them to record videos on, you know, whatever work we had done for them. And that was the litmus test. If you think I've added value to you, you shouldn't have a problem coming on video. True. And when we played those videos in front of like, you know, 100 plus IT managers, including some of our partner leaders, you know, the kind of feeling of pride that generates, I think that's what pushes people to, you know, uh, really do much, much bigger things. All beautiful best practices, Jigdish. Happy to say I've had uh, some similar thoughts, but uh, absolutely uh, beautiful processes and great perspective. Thanks. Uh, thanks, thanks, Vinod. I know our conversations can go for go on for hours. <laughs> so um, it has it has really a great uh, session. I just lost sense of time, and I think you know what. Uh, comments we have from our users there i think it's been a delightful conversation so we know the thank you so much for taking time for this chat as well as the previous conversation we had to prepare for this one really appreciate and 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 thanks for all the insights that you have given i think that's a big contribution you know to us and our audience i think uh this you focus on an aspect of my profession, our profession rather, that is not often focused on. You know, we like to talk about a number of things, but that 17% that you bring up is a sobering fact. And I think, you know, the fact is we cannot discuss too much about it. There is a lot more discussion that we need to uh, have around that topic. And in that sense, I think what you're doing is human service. And I'm always happy to participate, always happy to lend a hand and a shoulder. I think what we have lost as a practicing CIO in you, we are gaining as somebody with a perspective that is, you know, significantly broader than that. And, uh, you know, personally and as well as professionally, my my greatest support to what you're doing and always happy to you. Thank you so much, you know, thank, thank you for those encouraging words. In fact, those are the ones, you know, which keep this uh, weekly conversation going. Thank you so much. Wow, what a discussion with Vinod Shivramakrishnan. I loved it and I hope you loved it too. If so, do subscribe to the Clarity Chat podcast. It's available on all major podcasting platforms. 
well next week i will return to clarity chat podcast with a special audience centric session as ama ask me anything i answered audience questions live in this chat i hope you like this revisit of the ama session next week so watch out for our next clarity chat ama ask me anything session mm-hmm.